Hello, and if you're a regular listener to the Get It Right podcast, welcome back after a break that was a little longer than I planned. This episode kicks off our Rebuild and Build Better season on the podcast and our 12th season. Now, in this episode, I'm going to be sharing what this season is all about, what you can expect in terms of guests and information, and the things that you'll be learning and hearing about. So, let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Well, here we are for the beginning of season 12, which is called Rebuild and Build Better. This season of the podcast is a range of conversations with some fantastic experts and professionals, and we're diving into a range of topics related to rebuilding after bushfires, building or renovating in bushfire-prone areas, and more generally, designing and building more resilient homes. In this episode, I'm going to introduce the season. I'm also going to give you some background information and highlight some of the guests that we have coming up. And I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned, even if you aren't rebuilding or building in a bushfire prone area, because there's going to be some incredible gold nuggets of advice and wisdom shared throughout this season that can really help anyone who is wanting to build a more resilient home. I've said it before on previous seasons and I'll say it again now, we need to understand that in many parts of the world and especially in Australia, our building codes and standards and regulations, they are not the gold standard of residential construction. They are the bare minimum. A six star energy rating, which is what's required at the moment in Australia and hasn't changed for the last decade, it's the bare minimum of energy performance. It doesn't really represent what's possible for energy efficiency in how we build or renovate. In fact, most homes aiming for higher these days and our materials and our construction methodologies and the expected durability of construction all are the bare minimum when we adhere to the building codes and regulations. On other levels too, there's a huge amount of mistrust in the construction industry. There's issues with the structural integrity of buildings, with speedy construction, with flammable cladding, and then of course recent calls for a Royal Commission into the construction industry. There's lots of parts of the industry that are broken, and as a homeowner who is navigating your new build or renovation, you actually deserve something better than the bare minimum. And I suspect at some level that you know this, and it's why you're here listening to Undercover Architects podcast, because you know that getting educated and informed is a big part of being able to ask better questions and demand better from the construction industry, because it doesn't necessarily cost more to get better. That's the, that's the amazing thing. It's often as a result of you as the key driver of your project, knowing what you need to know to unlock what's possible from the people that you choose, the money that you invest and the decisions that you make. And so I do really encourage you to listen and stay tuned to this season. You are going to learn lots about how we can improve our homes and the choices that we make associated with our homes that ultimately dramatically improve their impact, their performance and their resilience. And that given the increasing currency of strong weather conditions, extreme temperatures and changes in our air quality, we can make choices in how we build and renovate to improve the way our homes shelter and protect us as well. And we're also going to hear some inspirational stories and experiences along the way. 
I'd also request please that you share it far and wide. I would love this season to reach and help as many people as it possibly can and especially help those who are navigating rebuilding after our recent bushfires here in Australia and also help you build or renovate better wherever you are located. Now let's go back a bit. It was mid-November last year, 2019, and I was in Sydney for the weekend. I grew up in Sydney. It's where I went to school and university, and I'm still close to a lot of my school friends there. And I was down there for a pre-Chrissy catch-up. And before heading out to dinner, I'd spoken to my hubby about the fact that there were fires near home. Whilst I was sitting at dinner, I checked the Fires Near Me app and I spoke to my friends about it, saw that the fires were 17 kilometres away at that stage from our place. And I actually, you know, a couple of hours later, I ended up leaving the dinner early because I just had this huge queasiness come over me really suddenly. It just got worse and worse. And I think what was happening was I was just super stressed inwardly, but I was still trying to enjoy my time with my friends outwardly and I was failing miserably at it. I was due to fly home the next morning and getting to the airport on Sunday was actually a relief. And then I flew up the eastern coast of Australia and uh, towards Ballina Airport and I saw how thick the smoke was as we got closer to Ballina. Uh, You know, I got home and the next 72 hours was this flurry of activity. The fires actually got to be about 14 kilometres away, which felt really close and yet really far all at the same time. It was the strangest thing. And I, I was madly running around the house videoing and photographing and cataloging everything that we owned for insurance purposes. And interestingly, once that sort of task was done, the stress did subside a little, but we were still doing all the things we needed to to prep the house and ourselves if we had to evacuate. And the Rural Fire Service was evacuating friends that lived closer to the National Park, a little bit further in from where we are. You know, we have paddocks and we've got macadamia orchards and those types of things around us and we live on the top of a hill, but we've only got one road out. So we were working out when we would evacuate if we needed to and what we would take with us. I had the car fully packed at one stage and, you know, looking at what we were going to do with the animals that we'd be leaving behind to give them the best chance of survival. We've got cattle and uh, and we didn't have any horses at that stage, but we have pigs. You know, it had been dry for so long. We had this uh, a firefighting pump and my hubby set it up and uh, tested it to use the pool water. He filled all the gutters around the house, you know, cleared out all of the leaf litter and as much dry litter as we could around the property itself. And I packed mementos and, you know, filled the car with things that I knew were irreplaceable. And my in-laws came and helped out too. And they actually took a carload of the kids' stuff back to their house as well. Now, fortunately for us, later in the week, the wind actually changed direction and it blew the fire back onto itself and away from us for a bit. And that gave the firefighters a chance. And for the next few weeks, we watched and we waited and there was a constant haze of really thick smoke about. I have never paid attention to the wind direction and the weather as much as I did over that time. There was a gorgeous person in our local community who every day posted the day's weather and wind directions each morning at about 6am in our local Facebook group. I was so grateful for those posts each day and would look to see what the wind was doing or whether it was going to be blowing the fire towards us. You know, one of the strangest things in all of this was that a couple of months prior, I'd actually been contacted by a member of my online course, How to Get It Right. 
a guy named Greg, and he asked whether I'd had much inquiry from people who were rebuilding after bushfires, whether people got in touch with me in Undercover Architect about that. It ends up that Greg has a huge amount of expertise in disaster recovery, and he'd worked closely with the Victorian government in the recovery efforts after the Black Saturday fires in 2009. And my response at that stage, I think it was back in September, was no, I don't get much inquiry from people building after bushfires. We certainly have members in many of our courses who are building in areas with bushfire overlays and navigating what that means and, you know, getting their bowel ratings and figuring out what building and renovating to a particular bowel rating might mean. But it wasn't something that people had directly contacted me about in the past with any frequency. And then, of course, we had the summer that no one expected. Now, there's a website, statista.com, and it had this to say about what's become known as our black summer, our 2019-2020 summer in Australia. So the Australia 2019-2020 bushfire season was one of the worst in recent times in the world. The season started in early November 2019 in New South Wales and gradually progressed in Victoria, Western Australia, South Australia and the Australian Capital Territory. Thousands of firefighters and volunteers battled the fires, with millions of hectares burned, thousands of properties damaged and countless numbers of wildlife exposed. In February 2020, the last fires were reportedly extinguished, with torrential rain assisting in putting out the remaining fires. Experts agree that high temperatures and prolonged dry conditions led to wildfire activity on an unprecedented scale. While Australia's highest temperature recorded one day was 50.7 degrees Celsius in 1960, 2019 was on average the warmest year on record. These environmental conditions exacerbated the spread of bushfires throughout the country. Smoke haze and particulate matter affected the lives of many in the eastern and southern states. Air pollution reached dangerous levels in New South Wales in particular, with some areas exceeding levels deemed safe by the Australian government by over 20 times. New South Wales was the worst hit state in terms of area burned. Most of the land affected was conservation and forest land. Some sources estimated that at least 80% of the Blue Mountains and 53% of Gondwana World Heritage Sites were burned. As a result of the massive habitat loss, an estimated 1.5 billion animals were killed as their homes were destroyed. Livestock were also affected to a degree, with thousands of beef cattle in Victoria killed because of the fires. The impact on people was significant. At least 34 people lost their lives, and many Australians were exposed to the bushfires in some way, either directly or indirectly. Thousands of homes, as well as commercial buildings, were destroyed or partially damaged, and early insurance claims were valued at $1.9 billion Australian dollars in February 2020. Now, that was on Statista.com and the ABC actually reported more specifically that 3,000 homes and 7,000 outbuildings were destroyed and 10 million hectares of land burnt. Now, between Christmas and New Year, after seeing what was unfolding as as we all were, I actually contacted Greg, uh, who'd got in touch with me back in September and said, you know, I'd love to learn more about his work and how Undercover Architect could help those rebuilding after bushfires. Greg's just been incredible in sharing his resources and his information with me and also in connecting me with some amazing people with huge experience in supporting communities during and beyond disaster recovery so that I've been able to understand more closely and uh, skill myself up in understanding sort of the road and the pathway ahead and I'm so grateful for his help with this rebuild and build better project I couldn't have done it without him now when it seemed like the fires would never end of course February came and with it brought heavy rains that put out the last of the fires and I know that that's when the one near us was actually finally extinguished we'd seen smoke all of those months it was the strangest thing and you know what's been 
and I know that like interesting isn't the word for it I suppose super unusual um, is that of course you know those fires kind of finished up in February and then March arrived and the fires quickly became usurped by a much bigger news story of COVID-19 and Whilst we've all been navigating what that's meant for us in lockdowns and in business closures and job losses and, of course, much more significantly, health challenges and the loss of loved ones, the media attention has definitely gone off those recovering from the bushfires. And as I've been researching and prepping and interviewing for this season, though, I've been keen to follow the efforts that many are making, a lot of them on a voluntary basis, to help those most impacted rebuild after bushfire. There's many who lost their homes during the bushfires that are still living in tents, um, that are enduring a super cold winter. Many haven't had their sites cleaned or even had building rubble removed. And groups like Blaze Aid and Fire Relief Run and the Salvation Army and the Red Cross and uh, St Vincent's de Port, there's many, many groups and individuals as well who've been navigating the challenges of COVID-19 to still provide help and support to communities and individuals who've lost so much ordinarily people would be able to travel into these communities quite freely and offer their help, run workshops and community group meetings and those kinds of things and none of that has been able to happen at the same scale because of COVID-19. And the Royal Commission into the Bushfires has begun and it's actually scheduled to release its findings in August 2020. Um, And each state of course has also been busy mobilising to help Uh, people as well with recovery efforts established and then there's also some uh, grants that have been made available to those affected. And interestingly in the building and construction industry there's also been groups established to offer pro bono services to those who've lost their homes and to assist with the rebuilding effort as well. So for example Architects Assist was founded by architect Jerry Lev and they're now working with the Australian Institute of Architects as well. They represent over 600 firms across Australia as well as 1400 students and graduates of architecture who are willing to give design services pro bono and design donated is another website that's allowing interior designers to donate their time Uh, and so far there's over 250 designers who've signed up there's a facebook group called tradies for fire affected communities that's seen tradespeople helping and donating services all over australia they've been a bit hampered by covid19 Uh, Brickworks Building Products have also had an initiative that will supply bricks or roof tiles for free or a 50% uh, discount depending on the materials of the home that you're replacing. And there's been other manufacturers that are offering similarly. Now I'm going to pop a link in the resources where you can find out more information on all of those as well as other grants and funds available to those needing help in the bushfire recovery or in rebuilding after bushfire. But all of this has been happening in the background while those of us not directly impacted got on with our lives except that COVID-19 arrived and our lives have looked entirely different over the past few months. Now one of the criticisms that I have uh, been hearing from the 2009 Black Saturday fires in Victoria and the recovery effort there was that people were pushed to rebuild too quickly and early in my research and I'll share more on this conversation later and the general information that's shared around this. Um, I spoke with an incredible man named Dr. Rob Gordon. And Rob is a clinical psychologist who's been working in the field of disaster recovery since, since Ash Wednesday in 1983. And he and others speak of the difficulty that many face following such a traumatic event like these recent fires and about their ability to recover and rebuild with clarity. One of the problems with pushing people to rebuild quickly is that they're often suffering huge amounts of stress and with cortisol and adrenaline running right through their system it actually shuts down part of the brain that's needed for strategic thinking 
you know, the key to recovery can often lie in these in those affected, giving themselves and their brain biology the chance to access that capacity for strategic thinking, for innovative and creative thinking. And when you're pushed to rebuild in a state of stress, the priority is often then to establish normalcy. And that means rebuilding what was there. And that was what was happening in 2009. A lot of people were pushed to rebuild very quickly. They would make decisions. Uh, there was a lot of talk of uh, kit home suppliers or some of the volume builders coming in and getting people signed up very quickly. And they weren't necessarily making the best decisions or the most affordable decisions either. And so it was something that was definitely very tricky about that time. And sometimes the opportunity to think differently and to take the chance to create something new, be it that you're choosing a different type of home uh, to build or a different location on the site to build on or a different location altogether, that can actually be a much better outcome for those involved. But people need to be given the space to do that, the time to do that, and also then the support and the guidance uh, to to feel confident in making good decisions about that. Now, In the next episode of this season, you're actually going to hear firsthand from someone who rebuilt their home in the Gippsland region of Victoria. Chris Clark is a builder and for 10 years he had designed and then in the last two years of that time phase, he'd built his own home, which he called Caligny One. And only weeks after it was finished, I think it was something like two weeks after he'd finished this 10-year journey, the home was destroyed in the Black Saturday fires in 2009. Now, Chris rebuilt on the same site, but he took the opportunity to think differently about the home in its size, its materials, its layout. And interestingly, he reused and recycled components that he salvaged from the site and from the destroyed home, as well as from other locations. Chris's story is an incredible one. And the home that he built, Caligny 2, it's a testament to his personal determination and resilience. And the first episode of season one, Grand Designs Australia, actually shared his rebuilding journey. So I'm going to pop that link in the resources so that you can watch the episode if you like to um, before hearing his story here on the podcast. So check out that link in the resources on the show notes. Now, Chris now has a business that uh, is called Swale and it provides some fantastic opportunities uh, for modular options for those rebuilding in bushfire prone areas, enabling them to do things differently. So we're going to hear more about Chris and his story, Caligny 2 and Swale in the next couple of episodes. Now as for our other guests, I want to share with you some of the amazing people that we have coming your way. It's also worth mentioning that we're sharing the videos of these interviews on Undercover Architects YouTube channel as well and all the transcripts are available on the blog too. So whether you like to listen, to watch or to read, we've got you covered. And I know that the one of the biggest challenges is that some people who are rebuilding since losing their homes, they still don't have internet access or they're working off their phones. So um, that can make it a bit tricky to use mobile data. Um, there's infrastructure that's burned down that hasn't been reinstated. So I did think that maybe if you're a friend and you know of somebody who's rebuilding, you'll be able to print out these transcripts for them and pass them on. So if you do know of someone who needs this information, please make it available to them. You know, I'm doing what I can to just bring as much great knowledge and uh, education about this rebuilding journey and about building in these bushfire prone areas and just generally building better and want to make it as freely accessible as possible. 
So let's go through some of the other guests that we have coming up on this season, Rebuild and Build Better. So David Keane is one of the the guests and David's from Solve My Claim. David's actually been in the insurance industry for over 24 years now and he created his business Solve My Claim to help and assist homeowners navigate their insurance claims and disputes. Now in the last three years alone, Solve My Claim has helped homeowners secure more than $35 million in additional insurance claims settlements. David's actually going to help us understand how to make our insurance claims in the best way and how to assess our insurance policies to ensure that we're properly covered. My hubby and I have personal experience with this. We actually had our home damaged uh, during the gap storms in 2008 and we then spent 13 months battling our insurance company. We had to go to the insurance company, we then had to go to their underwriter and then we finally went to the ombudsman and ended up being paid five times what the insurance company had initially offered us. It was ridiculous uh, what they'd said was we were entitled to when we first got our uh, claim back from them and it but it was 13 months of just needing to push and push and push so you know I've solved my claim had been around then I would have jumped at the chance to get their help it was a really challenging process for us to navigate on our own because you know understanding your insurance policy and the claims process it's so critical to you managing the risk of owning your home and anything else that might happen to it and so my conversation with David's going to be great for that I know that my husband and I we look at insurance policies entirely differently since we went through that experience I don't want you to have to do that so David's going to be awesome for getting informed now I'm also talking with Jeff Dow who who is a bushfire consultant from Ember Bushfire Consulting. Ember Bushfire Consulting is a team of qualified, accredited and experienced fire industry professionals. And co-founder Jeff Dow has had 28 years of experience as a professional in the fire services industry. And for the past 12 years, this has been a range of fire safety fields, including fire safety engineering, bushfire protection, building certification and regulation and urban planning. And Jeff's going to be sharing some really helpful information on understanding what a bushfire overlay or bushfire planning zone might mean to your property, wherever you're located. And we're actually finding that more and more areas, it's quite are being sort of revamped as bushfire overlays or bushfire planning zones. So it's something you need to keep an eye on and make sure that you're looking at up-to-date information when it comes to the planning uh, restrictions around your property um, because there's uh, important things that you need to understand about navigating a bushfire planning zone or bushfire overlay. Jeff's going to be super helpful in you learning what strategies you can use when you're navigating a bell rating and also how to consider bushfire resistance in your new home or renovation project. Now, another fantastic guest that we've got is Julie Firkin. Julie actually has her own practice, Julie Firkin Architects, and for over 10 years, she's been bringing creativity and problem-solving prowess to projects big and small in and around Melbourne. Now, whilst Julie Firkin Architects has the skills and expertise to deliver a range of projects from residential to commercial, small and large, Julie has a personal interest both in sustainable and bushfire-resistant design. And she had a design for a bushfire-resistant house that was featured by the Bushfire Home Service, which was a strategy that was established following the Black Saturday bushfires in 2009. So we're going to hear more about the Bushfire Home Service and, and Julie's involvement in that. And she's also taught extensively on the subject of bushfire homes and bushfire buildings. She's going to talk with us about her work with the Monash University students in the Bushfire Studio that she taught and also about the home that she designed for the Bushfire Homes Service.
Now, you're also going to get to meet Amy Beatty from Good Green Home Loans. And Amy believes that Australia's largest corporations actually have a responsibility to be leaders when it comes to protecting the environment. And with their continued investment in the fossil fuel industry, they aren't there yet. Now, the greatest way that we can encourage change is by moving our valuable business elsewhere. And this is where Good Green Home Loans can help. Good Green Home Loans is actually here to help you find the right home loan at a great rate using only environmentally responsible lenders who aren't using their profit and power to support the fossil fuel industry. I've been wanting to bring Amy to the UA community for some time now and I'm super excited to be introducing her to you through this season because there's specific things that you need to understand when you're financing a rebuild or financing a new home or renovation in a bushfire prone area. And so Amy's going to understand... help us understand that more closely and also talk to us about you know how good green home loans work so that if you are wanting to make a choice about your lender based on what that lender then invests in um, I think that's going to be really interesting for you to meet Amy. Now I'm also bringing you Andy Marlowe and Dick Clark from Envirotecture and Andy Marlowe is a director at Envirotecture and he holds both bachelor's and master's degree in architecture. He's a certified passive house designer and has extensive experience in sustainable design at a variety of scales. And Dick Clark is a principal of Envirotecture and is an accredited building designer with over 35 years experience focusing exclusively on ecologically sustainable and culturally appropriate buildings as well as sustainable design in vehicles and vessels and he's received many design awards. Envirotecture actually work on a range of project types and budgets that are all united by one focus – great quality, sustainable design. And recently they started a new business, Passive House Design and Construct. Frustrated by the challenge that many experience in their new home journey, that is how do you create sustainably designed homes that can be delivered on budget, they decided to marry together the design and construction in a total delivery model. They're currently New South Wales based with plans to extend all over Australia and Passive House Design and Construct delivers complete quality, cost-effective design and build solutions. So Andy and Dick will actually help us see how we can create affordable and sustainable homes that are also bushfire resistant. I I hear from so many homeowners that they say, yep, I want to do a sustainable home, but I just keep getting told that will cost more. Uh, So it's going to be really great to introduce you to Andy, Andy and Dick and hear how they help homeowners understand that they can have affordability and sustainability and also do that in bushfire prone areas as well. And interestingly, in the recent bushfires, over 57% of the population of Australia were impacted by smoke uh, from those recent bushfires. And it's caused huge health problems. There's actually been um, some studies that have been commenced on infants that were born during that time to see if it's, had any, it's going to have any impact on their respiratory development. There's been lots of studies and um, also lots of data around the increase in uh, health conditions due to our exposure to that bushfire smoke during that time. And so Andy and Dick are going to talk about the strategies that we can consider in any new build or renovation that will help us protect our indoor air quality from what is going on outside. And this may be something that you're wanting to consider in your home as to how you can kind of really manage and maintain the quality of your indoor air in a way that helps you protect yourself, whatever is going on outside. 
Now, I've got some other guests that are being lined up as well. They're currently being tied up with the Royal Commission. Um, But uh, I'm also going to add some episodes of Just Me because there's some research that I've been collating and working through and things that I've been learning along the way that I want to make sure that I can share with you as well. And as this season rolls out, we're going to be building a resource hub on Undercover Architects website that really pulls together all of this content like a library of information. Um, And I want to share some of the other helpful links and resources and information that's associated with rebuilding after bushfires or building in a bushfire prone area. You know, there's some data that's saying that this is going to be at least a three to five year journey for a lot of the people who are rebuilding after bushfires. I just want to make sure that, you know, whatever you're doing and wherever you are, if you are rebuilding after a bushfire or you're building in a bushfire prone area or you're just wanting to rebuild a better home, that Undercover Architect is a fantastic resource uh, and knowledge base for you. So, Make sure that you stay tuned for next week. We're going to dive into season 12 and have part one of our interview with Chris Clark, who is going to talk about rebuilding his home Caligny 2. And in the meantime, I'd love to ask you to do three things if I can, please. Now, the first one, tell someone you know that will benefit from the knowledge that's going to be shared in this season 12 and also in the videos that are on Undercover Architects YouTube channel. Number two is bookmark the uh, URL undercoverarchitect.com forward slash rebuild. So that's going to be the URL that we'll use to house all of the information that we're publishing in our rebuild and build better project. Over time, that will start to fill out as that library that I was talking about. So that's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash rebuild bookmark it and keep checking back in on it. And also number three, if you haven't yet, could I ask you to please leave a review on uh, for the podcast on iTunes? It honestly makes such a difference to how the podcast gets shared and seen and found by those who need this information. It is just super helpful. So that's share, bookmark and review. Now, I've popped a bunch of resources online for this episode. So make sure you head to the show notes to check that out. And thank you so much for your patience in waiting for this season to kick off. Um, you know, I did, as I said up early, up the front, I didn't plan for there to be such a big break between seasons, but life can get in the way of the best laid plans, as we all know. And it's actually lovely to be back. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to this season and sharing this help and info with you. It's been a long time coming, a long time in the works. Um, and I'm just, I'm really excited to be bringing it to you finally. So As I said, in the next episode, Chris Clark's going to be joining us for the first part of his amazing story of rebuilding after losing his home to the Black Saturday fires. He, honestly, he's a really inspirational man who just has a huge amount of insight and experience to share, not only for rebuilding, but for anyone embarking on a new project or renovation renovation project. I think just hearing how he approached it, his mindset, the way that he sort of saw things is just incredibly helpful as a way of framing your journey and your experience. So be sure to join us for that. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Bye.